0: If you want to see Gabriel perform comedy in the next two weeks, or if you want to avoid seeing Gabriel do comedy in the next two weeks, here's what you need to know. August 30th through September 1st Gabriel will be at the Improv in Denver. September 5th to 8th, Gabriel will be at Harvey's in Portland, Oregon. Hope the check clears. For more info and for all of his show dates go to GabrielRutledge.com. Episode 35 of Happy is Assistant Funny with Gabriel Rutledge starts right now. Now here's your host Gabriel Rutledge. Ch
1: ch. Chickity check check. <laughs> eh. mm. Rolling. Uh, greetings from uh, beautiful Medford, Oregon. I don't know if it's beautiful, but I mean there's nearby nature that's beautiful, but actual Medford, I it's just there's some hills with nothing on them. Medford's one of those cities you roll through. You see, like, this big, giant house up on top of the hill, and you're like, is that the richest man in town? But then you're like, if you were rich, why why, why Medford? Why build your mansion in Medford? I mean, you might be like, well, you live in Olympia. Well, that's true. What if I had mansion money? I'm not fucking living in Olympia. I'm going to Lacey right next door. I like their Target better. Uh anyway, Medford's fine. A lot of weirdos in Medford. I think I have a couple of Medford listeners. You know what I'm talking about i When I do comedy here, which is like once a year uh i just I feel like people are in Medford because they're hiding from something. Something went wrong. Excuse me, they owe money under a different name in a different city. Let's just go to Southern Oregon and hide out. Let's hide out in the hills with nothing on them. And yeah, there's some meth. Sure, there's some meth in the area, but that's, you know, that's every town. But even the comics who come here all the time, it's like everyone has a wacky Medford story. Like, so I'm th- Not even my story, and I'm probably fucking it up, but I think Monica Nevy, very funny comedian, one time she told me she was here, and this guy who drove a semi-truck, was just like, hey, you want to go drive my truck in the parking lot? Which, you know, sh- weird shit happens here. I met like, I don't think Russian, Ukrainian guys that were kind of like gangster types. Where I'm like, what are you guys doing here? Like, mm, you don't need to know. You're very funny. One time I was here uh, after my show. I uh, I'm going back to back to my room, and. Uh, <laughs> I see this guy just passed out in the hallway, like three doors down from me. Like laying on his face, passed out. Uh, And I recognized him because he uh, had just bought a CD from me. A man passed out drunk on his face with my CD on the (laughs) ground next to him. And I was like, Sir, you okay? No response. I mean no response. And then I'm like, okay. I hope my CD wasn't the last thing he bought. Uh and then I I got the front desk and they uh they sort of like shook him around and he wasn't dead. I don't know how good he was doing, but he wasn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's the kind of impact my art has on people. Uh so anyway, it's a weird place. I've done this Coos Bay on Wednesday, uh, Medford on Friday, Saturday, um, a million times. Uh, and every time I do it, I'm like, man, I don't, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. doesn't pay that good, but just good enough. And uh, there's an off day. Which is, you know, I had to pay. Yes, I got the friend and family discount here at the Rogue Regency Inn. But, you know, still, who wants to pay 70 bucks on their off day? Uh, But it was either that or uh, drive six hours home and then the next day drive six and a half hours back. Maybe if I hadn't just spent a seven-day vacation with my family, I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to go home and spend half a day with the people I love. But right now I'm like, I don't need to spend a half a day with the people I love. I think I made my point maybe I'll just call him up and be like, "Remember when I when I was home a couple days ago? Remember how I loved you then? Well, I still do. And I'll I'll be back soon. But right now I got to sell shit to drunk people. Daddy loves you. I had thought because uh actually the last 2 years in Coos Bay I did this uh cancer charity show, some relay for life kind of thing. And uh you know, big theater, yeah, pretty big theater in the, in Coos Bay. In fact, I think on this podcast, I played. The crowd was singing like, uh, um, "Mama," ooh, like just you know, like probably four hundred people. Uh, so, like two years in a row, f- three, four hundred people saw me in a the theater, and you know, a rock star show, as we say in the comedy business. Like, how was the crowd? How's that club? They're like, "Oh man, rock star!" Like meaning you feel like a rock star when you're on stage. And I thought to myself, hey, maybe, because I've done those rock star theater shows, maybe when I do the casino, a bunch of those people will come out to see me. And I'll just transfer my rock star uh, a mile down the road to the Mill Casino. And, uh, nope. There's two shows on the Wednesday in Coos Bay, and the first show... It was fairly full, but none of them had ever heard of me before. And, uh, you know, old. You know, old. who would go to a, you know, it's RV casino people who go to a comedy show on a Wednesday at 7 o'clock that's free. There was this, you know, they seem nice, but this old couple right up front. And at one point during one of my jokes, I just hear the guy say to his wife, Well, for being hungry, you sure didn't eat a lot. In some ways, indifference is worse than heckling. At least heckling's an investment, you know? At least heckling's like, (laughs) I hate this guy, or I want to be a part of this somehow. Just, let's listen to this guy yap. While we eat our country fried steak. And then we'll leave. That's almost worse. What? I can't hear you. That long-haired fellas talking. Bingo! I've done some uh, weird shows. I guess I'm always doing weird shows. I did this show in, uh, I guess, uh, Gig Harbor? It doesn't matter. Somewhere where they have a, 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 a drag strip. It was like an outdoor festival. Uh, wasn't really a festival. There's like five places you could go. Probably a couple hundred people, but it was on on this drag strip where they actually do drag racing. You know they had this stage set up and you know like a barbecue thing and uh, I just I had to do comedy outside. <laughs> you know kids running around on bikes. I'm outside in front of the beer garden just like, what am I doing? Somebody rolled their truck in. Big four-wheel drive truck. And uh, had like flags in the back. And like one of the flags, it said Trump 2020. Enough of the bullshit. Which uh, made me laugh a little bit. Because, you know. <laughs> ah! Even if you like Trump you're going to tell me since he came in, the bullshit went out? That's that's your re-election campaign? Isn't there a lot less bullshit now? Uh, anyway, and then, but, uh, so he had that flag and an American flag. I can't remember the other flag. And he had the, you know, the Dixie flag, the uh, the, the, the Confederate flag. Which, I'm going to be honest, it's very confusing to me. Because, look, if you're from the South you know i understand how you can be like this is a part of my heritage this isn't like a pro slavery flag this is just i'm from georgia my great grandpa was from georgia it, look maybe you need to reevaluate what that flag means to other people i think that's worth a discussion but like if you're from the south i'm i get i get what you're saying if you're saying this isn't a flag of racism to me uh, this is this is a flag of 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 a local pride. That's if you're from the south. If you're from Port Orchard, Washington, that's where we were. Not Gig Port Orchard, Washington. If you're from Port Orchard, Washington, and you have a Confederate flag on your truck, it's because you're an asshole. You're, there's no Northwest Dixie pride. You're. You know, your great-grandpa worked at Boeing. What the fuck are we doing? I mean, I guess maybe if you're from the South and you moved here, maybe. But I know, I know, I've been, I've lived here my whole life. I am Northwest as fuck. And there there are people with the Dixie flag who are from the Northwest with zero Southern connection. And I don't understand that at all other than maybe you just wish the other side won i don't get it and i was you know the booker of that particular show i think he's he's a right wing leaning guy and he was at the show with me and he had the same, i had the same discussion with him you know and i was just like i don't he was just shaking his head and i'm like i don't under what where does this come from where does this come from with your dixie flag i don't get it Uh, you know, where's your state of Washington flag? Why aren't you flying the George Washington Green Pride? Uh, so yeah, I'm going to stereotype a little bit, okay? If you, if you, (laughs) if you're not from the South and you're a big Dixie flag fan, a big Confederate flag guy, I think you're an asshole. And you might also be the kind of guy who collects uh, Nazi paraphernalia because you're a big fan of the era. (laughs) I'm not saying the dude was a Nazi, but, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, people talk about warning flags all the time. Like, oh, how did I not see that red flag in the relationship? If a guy in Port Orchard's got a Confederate flag in his truck, he's showing you the warning. He's being up front with his warnings. (laughs) There's trouble ahead. Nuanced conversations will not be had with me. Trump 2020. Enough of the bullshit. I mean, Washington State literally became a state like 20-something years after the Civil War ended. Which, by the way, yeah, I did just Google that. But it's true. So, you know. I was tired because I'd flown back that day from Austin, Texas. And uh you know, I'm doing I'm doing this show in a drag strip with kids running around. I'm about thirty feet away from a Confederate flag. And uh you know, I am not but in some ways it was like uh a teachable moment for myself because after me was a band, and the band was called, uh, what were they called? Heart by Heart. Heart by Heart. Uh, they are, I guess you'd call them a Heart tribute band, but the there's two members of the band are from Heart. They're not the singer sisters. They're not, you know, the main attraction of the band. I think it was the drummer and the bass player of heart who are now in like a heart tribute band with like different musicians. They were at the same gig I was at. They were also playing 30 feet from a Confederate flag. And I actually, I went and I watched it on, on YouTube afterwards just to confirm, but that the people in the heart tribute band who used to be in the band heart, they're in the rock and roll hall of fame. They're the rock and roll hall of fame and they're doing this shit gig. And it was like, I don't know. In some ways it was like it could, you could take that as depressing, especially cause I think, I think heart broke up and then uh, they reassembled, but like without these people, which kind of, you know, that can't feel good. But, in some ways, it was just like, you know what? You take the fucking gig. <laughs> yeah, you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and now you're on uh, uh, an abandoned drag strip in the middle of Port Orchard, playing next to a porta potty and a Confederate flag. Cause it's a fucking gig, and that's what you do. Like I, part of me wants to feel like I'm above it because because why? Because I tour all over the country, and I got I've won a couple contests, I got a couple of TV credits. Well, I think I'm too good. I'm too good for the fucking... They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean... Holy shit. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they're up there, up there with some other lady singing Barracuda. Because it's a fucking gig. You know? That's the ride. That's the ride you take. You just... You know what I mean? It's... It's a job. It's a job then. It's a job in Coos Bay. Well, you didn't eat very much for being, for being hungry. And so I was almost, I was a little inspired. I was a little inspired by show business, watching two people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, play after me. Because I'm like, you know what, fuck it. This is the ride you take, right? If you're an entertainer. They're still working. You know? they could be a guitar center. They're still working. They're still doing it. Yeah, they probably have toured Europe stadiums. And now they're uh, on a Drake strip. But who fucking cares? You're still in the business. You're still playing drums. You're still playing bass. I'm still a comedian. Trump's still sick of the bullshit. Civil War's still going. It's all happening. So it was kind of weird. It was kind of oddly inspirational (laughs) to see someone, two people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Uh. Doing the same weird outdoor gig that I was doing. I hope they got more than 300 bucks because that's what I got. This next beer is going to help me. There we go. Off day. You know what else helped me? If you're I I don't know, this is probably just the comedians. You ever want to just feel better about your life? Uh, or just understand the big picture? Look at a famous comedian's comments on Facebook. I I was scrolling through the other day, and there was a Kevin Hart stand-up clip. And you know what it'll be like, underneath it'll say, I didn't even watch it, but un- the comments underneath it'll be like, you know, what do they call it? Important comment? Relevant? Most relevant? I can't remember what they call it, but they'll show a couple comments underneath. And the comment that showed under the uh, Kevin Hart clip said, I hope he has a day job. (laughs) Not sarcastically, no smiley face. No, just like, clearly they never heard of Kevin Hart. They didn't care for it, and they wrote, I hope he has a day job. Yeah, he's in movies with The Rock, okay? His day job is movie star. But it it oddly filled me with a feeling of peace, just like it. Do, you can't get bigger than Kevin Hart, you can't get bigger. And still, fucking Pam from Toronto is like, hope he's got a day job. Like <laughs> Jim Gaffigan's got a new special out, so his ads are everywhere for it. And I've been looking at those comments. People are like, fuck this guy, he sucks. Jim Gaffigan, the man has been selling out theaters for 15 years. He's way bigger than you're going to get if you're a comedian listening. And people are just, you look at the comments. Yes, there's tons of comments that are like, this guy's great. You know. But there's a lot of comments for Jim Gaffigan or Kevin Hart or Jerry Seinfeld or or any enormous comedian that are just like, meh, this guy blows. That's oddly freeing. It is oddly freeing to, uh, to realize, look, I'm never going to be as big as Kevin Hart. Physically, I'm much bigger than Kevin Hart. But, eh, you know, career-wise, I'm never going to be as big as Kevin Hart. And there are still people who are like, never heard of him, I think he sucks. Just saw a clip. He's terrible. That's fucking great. I mean, how can he? I enjoy that. Whoever your favorite artist is, you know, a third of the world hates them. (laughs) Music, comedy, movies, whatever. That's sad but freeing, right? That means you have success in some ways. I've said that before, you know. I'm at the point where most of my feedback is positive and, you know, if I get to the point where uh, more of my feedback is negative, it probably means things are going well. Because when things are going well, you get forced upon people as opposed to them discovering you. Have you ever watched a TV show after everyone told you to watch it? So like this is the greatest show of all time. You're gonna love it. And then you watch it and you go, eh. And that's that's because they told you it was gonna be the greatest. You you went in with that expectation. If you had discovered it, you'd be the one telling other people how fucking great it is. But which is why you can really screw someone in their uh, their comedy introduction. By the way, like if the host introduces the comedian and they're like, this next comedian, uh, I've never not seen be hilarious. They get standing ovations all the time. Throw away your expectations of what you think comedy is because your world is about to be turned fucking upside down. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Gabriel Rutledge. Well, guess what? In that scenario, Gabriel Rutledge is fucked because the audience is like, really? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if my expectations (laughs) get redefined. And then two minutes in, they're like, hmm, hope you have a day job. He's no Kevin Hart. Do you want, should we get the side salad or the french fries? Honey. What? French fries or side, hello? Why is the long-haired man speaking? Bob Hope, now that, that was entertainment. Ask the long-haired guy if we can bring us another water. I'm in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't need this shit. Ooh, he's a magic man. I like heart. There's some good heart songs. Hello. This is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, If you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably... Have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, But if you do have a podcast, um, I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, It's easy, it's free, Uh, they distribute everything for you, they give you sponsorship, which apparently it's just talking about Anchor, I guess that's their sponsorship, but I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this, so... Worth it? Of course it is. Uh, Go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another riveting episode of The Rutledges. All right, let's do this.
0: Now it's time for listener questions.
1: If you would like to ask me a question for the podcast, Gabriel at GabrielRutledge.com or, uh, you know, slide into my DMs on one of the social medias, which is what uh, this next person did. Corey. I don't know if Corey wants to say his last name, but Corey has been listening to all my podcasts uh, for a long time, and I appreciate that. Uh, Corey's question. Mm, There it is. Okay. Uh, Idea for podcast subject, because I caught myself thinking about it. Do you literally write out your jokes and tweak them and practice them, like when you're driving around or by yourself? Aka, I was curious the process of getting the idea of a joke and you actually delivering it. Uh yeah. You know, I don't write out that many things. Like I have, uh, in fact, let me go grab it right now uh, on my phone. I have an iPhone. I'm not bragging. Um, I have a I have some notes on my phone. Bits. It's called Bits. And it's like just, you know, I'll read them. It's like uh, NPR voice, yelling at squirrels, call back after pick your battles, old people are like cats, Jesus spoiler alert, apricot, centrum swinger. Like they're just, I want to remember the idea I had, and so I write it down. Uh, Now, every once in a while I'll have an idea that seems a little more involved, and I will... um, I'll actually sit down because I don't want to forget all my ideas. Um, But um, for the most part, my performing instincts are better than my writing instincts. And so I'll have the basic idea of what I think is funny. And then I just go on stage and try it out. And that's why I tape the audio of every show. Because if it goes well, I want to figure out what I did right. And if it goes bad, I want to figure out what I did wrong. Um, now in the beginning, when I started comedy, uh, back at the turn of the century, um, I wrote everything out, but you can, but I also performed like I wrote it. It, I was basically reciting humorous essays on stage for at least two months, um, You know, because that's just all I knew how to, you know, oh, I'll write down these funny ideas and I'll just sort of read them on stage without actually reading them. But you could tell. It was very, you know, it takes a while to figure out the conversational style that stand-up comedy is. Um, You can't just read a humor column on stage and have it be funny. That's not how it works. Um, So as the years have gone on, I actually write um, the actual, I'd write less of the bit down. And I, uh, uh, you know, I work, I just sort of work it out on stage. A lot of stuff, um, I well, I guess what we would call riff, like I'd, I'll start talking to the crowd, something will come up, I'll say something that's kind of funny, and I'll think, hey, I should keep doing that, or I should develop into that something, develop that into something. Um, uh, a lot of it is stuff that I say in conversation, Especially to Christy, my wife. Um, you know, I have a joke about how I'm getting to the age that I'm going to start caring about birds. That's a thing Christy and I have been talking about for ten years. How 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 come how come when you get old, you st- people start caring about birds? And you know that became a bit, and then. I said something to Christy about uh, I guess after birds I start yelling at squirrels. Well, now that's in the bit. Like um, you know, there's much more to the bit than that. But that the genesis, the basic idea, sometimes it's just things I say in conversation. Um, sometimes uh, <laughs> I don't. I hate to say this because it's what like great songwriters say. Um, in fact, I did on my favorite radio show that's on uh, uh, satellite radio. Bennington, um, the, uh, I heard John Fogarty from CCR get interviewed, and he, he said he he was talking about, he was like 22, 23 years old, and he wrote Proud Mary, but like in an hour, it just like came to him, um, I have jokes that I don't remember where they came from, they just arrived, they just appeared, I don't remember the thought I had. I don't remember writing it down. I just started saying them, and they just happened very naturally. And then other jokes, they take... You talking about tweaking? Yeah, the tweaking never stops. And this is is a frustrating thing about comedy is... (laughs) Even if you have what you think is funny... Oh, I don't know. Let's make up a punchline. Let's say a punchline is... um, um, and that's why i hate fly fishing that's the punchline let's just say that i said that cuz i'm looking at a, some hotel art of a fishing pole but let's say the punchline is uh and that's why i hate fly fishing well the the amount don't the amount of variables the amount of ways you could say that line and that's why i hate fly fishing and that's Why, I hate fly fishing. And that's why I hate fly fishing. Like, that's just four of them. And guess what? One of those would be the funniest way to do it. So you can kind of drive yourself insane. Like, should I do it slow? Should I pause here? Should I hit this word harder? And in some ways, I don't even like to think about it because it just makes you crazy. And I think the best version will come out on stage because that's, you know, normally what happens. Um... There are times I am muttering to myself in the car jokes for sure. Uh again early in comedy I would uh for some reason I would hold I would be <laughs> I didn't even want to I I'd, I I'd just pretend I was holding a microphone. It somehow just to like recreate the performance experience. So I would be in my car, I was still delivering Mexican food. I'd be in my car like holding what to a passerby would just look like I was holding my fist up to my face and talking into it. I must have looked like a goddamn lunatic. Just like in my car. Like and that's why I don't go fly fishing. And that's why I don't go fly fishing. Like, yeah, I would do that a lot. And now I, I still I do it a little bit because there are times where there's a maybe there's a lot of fast talking. Um, you know, there's there's a part of a joke that sort of takes a little bit of memorization. I mean, the whole thing's memorization, but it doesn't feel that way because to me now, it did in the beginning, but it doesn't now in the way that like when you're telling a story of something that happened in your life, you don't think, oh, I hope I remember this story. You just tell the story. And that's that's what stand-up feels like Again, if it's a new joke, I forget things all the time, I screw it up, I you know, it's not like I always nail it, but I'm just saying I don't that's a common question people ask me is how do you re- you were up there for an hour. How do you remember all of that? And that's just it's easy. Now, because I've been doing it, you know. My comedy career is almost old enough to vote. And it's gonna vote Trump twenty twenty. Enough of the bullshit. Uh but it's, uh, there are some, some of the bits where you have a a lot of words in a row, and I kind of want to get it down. I will practice that off stage. Uh, I have, I have a joke about my wife's memory because she remembers like every detail of every conversation. And there's a part where I'm talking about how she remembers too much, so it's confusing. And, uh, You know, so it's like, it's too many details. It's like, yeah, it was 2005, right before we moved. It was a couple weeks after my sister's birthday. We were sitting in the kitchen. You were wearing that blue shirt. Your grandma got you for Christmas. We were eating lasagna. Recipe called for ground beef. We only had ground turkey. Turned out okay, a little dry. Like, that's the, that's what I do in the bit. And yeah, so when I first was doing that bit, I don't. Maybe that's not the original version I did, but you know, the, I for sure was driving around town going, you know, that's the blue shirt your grandma guy you for Christmas, just to get it down, just to get it down. My wife remembers everything. She remembers every detail of every conversation we have ever had. It's like living with a court reporter. Except court reporters are impartial. Our entire life, she's just running that stenographer machine like. And then one day I'm like, I never said that. And she's like, whoosh. I'll read it back. (laughs) But with a confusing amount of detail. Like, yeah, it's 2007, right before we moved. A couple weeks after my sister's birthday, we were sitting in the kitchen. You were wearing that blue shirt your grandma got you for Christmas. We were eating lasagna, recipe called for ground beef. We only had ground turkey. Turned out okay, a little dry. I'm like I don't I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. She's like, oh well, that's when you said you didn't like my bangs.
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry again, I'm guessing. Uh, sometimes there's a uh, maybe more of a tongue twistery part of a joke. Um, I don't know if there's, a, if there's a part of their joke that's like, Gary Sinise, I thought you said burn the quiche. Um, which sounds like a tremendous joke. But uh, but like if it's a part where you need to get the alliteration or it makes you stumble, I will just be in the car going, Gary Sinise, I thought you said you burn the quiche. Gary Sinise, I thought you said burn the quiche. Gary Sinise, I thought you said burn the quiche. Until it's not tongue twistery anymore. Until, uh, until it feels okay to say. But yeah, really, the tweaking never... The the tweaking never stops. If if I'm, you know... If you never stopped doing a joke, it would never stop changing. Um, And also a lot of... You know, a lot of stuff... A lot of the thought process is like, if I have a new joke, where do I put it? You know? um, Like, I actually... One of the things I talked about on this podcast uh, has become a joke because I was talking about yeah, at the grocery store when the, uh, if you buy a candy bar and the cashier's like, do you want me to leave that out for you? Uh, I hate self-checkout because it's not. It, I've never done it alone. I need help every time. <laughs> Unauthorized item have been begging here. Yeah, it's me. I don't work here. I hate it when the checker will If you buy a candy bar The checker will be like You want me to leave this out for you? I'm like, no I'm going to fish it out of the bag In my car like a fat fucking animal It's <laughs> what I deserve.
0: <laughs> I
1: never even admit They're for me I'm like oh that's for my friend Coming over later He loves king size Snickers He's got a real problem He's a big he's got... A lot of the stuff for him Now that I think about it did you
0: leave the broccoli out? I do like to munch
1: on that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fairly new joke, which means I will keep adding to it. Um, and uh, But, yeah, when I wrote it, I'm like, oh, well, where am I going to put this joke about, you know, Checker at a grocery store. Oh, I have that other bit about buying apples at a grocery store, so I'll stick it on there. You know, so there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, thought process to like flow, and and that also means you know there's there's certain jokes that I do that I just end up not doing very often because they don't fit with the flow of the rest of my show. Do you hear that fucking dog in the hallway? You probably can't, but there's a dog. Moaning in the hallway. Good gravy. He's in bad shape. Did someone sell him one of my CDs? And it's also uh, worth mentioning about the writing process that there are still many, many times where I'm like, man, I got this great idea. It's going to be great. And uh, it is not. People don't like Gary Sinise or Quiche. Who knew? You know, just doesn't work. Um, I mean, I think my success rate is higher than it used to be, but there's still tons of things I think are hilarious that uh, that uh, are not proven to be so. Even if I think they're hilarious, the audience disagrees, and that's um, that's the everything I think is funny. I try out on stage, and uh, everything in the audience agrees with me. I keep. That's the simplest way to look at it. I'm actually... The first thing I read on my phone, NPR voice. What the fuck does that even mean? This happens too, by the way. I look at my phone notes and I go, NPR voice. Oh, I know what that is. Okay. I don't know if that's ever going to be a bit. This is what I was thinking about, though. When I, when I was a kid, gather around kids. Grandpa has a story. When I was when I was a child. Uh on weekends, I think Sunday, after church of course. Um with, my dad would listen to NPR. And uh, uh it was I can't remember the name of the show, but it was like a blues or a jazz show. And uh they would interview, I'm sure they're all dead now, but they would interview these old blues guys or these old jazz guys. And they, they, they had these incredible voices, you know, because they were all old men or women. So the, the voices would be like, they'd be like, the first time I met Muddy Waters, I was in this little place in Chicago and his horn player was sick, so I was filling in. And like, they're the coolest voices in the world. You know, it's like, a. I was so attracted to that voice, because, not like sexually, or maybe not sexually. Yeah, I don't, it's not your business. But like, I thought that voice was so cool because it's like a voice that, it says you've done shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, you have to be an 80-year-old blues horn player to be like, how you will do it? Like, that's not a voice you have if you work at H&R Block, right? You know? It's not... No one's... If you're H&R Block, I had that voice, I would actually be worried. Some of these deductions aren't okay. There's no such thing as work pants. I would be... You can't write off work pants. Muddy Waters taught me that. I would be concerned if my tax guy actually talked like that. But if you're a musician, that's, that's a voice that says you've done heroin in Paris. You know what I mean? And uh, it, I just, I love that voice, and I realize I don't have that voice. I have, I don't know, I have the voice of a guy whose dad listened to NPR on the weekends. You know, I haven't done heroin in Paris. I've done... A lot of little Ultras in Iowa, but it's not quite the same voice. And it's not as good of a story. You know, <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I, I was staying at the La Quinta Inn, and they had this mini-mart across the street. They had two tall boys for $4 or a six-pack for $7. I
0: was
1: like, wait, which one's cheaper? It's not. My stories aren't good. So, yeah, that's probably never going to be a bit. But that doesn't mean I can't tell you on my podcast. Um. <laughs> You've been listening to Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rowling. Uh, Thank you for listening. You're a good person, probably. I don't care. You can listen if you're a bad person. If you are one of the 60% of my listeners that listens on Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. I would. Uh, I would love it. Five stars or of fuck off. Um, thank you. This podcast is free, and it's worth it. Talk to you next week. <laughs>